Welcome to Unslick City, our journey at large. The podcast that explores the eccentricities of New York City and the people that inhabit this metropolis. I'm Abby Anderson. And I'm Ian Brodsky. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. This episode is with the insanely talented David Abelez, and I know David from Begin Again. Um, If you've seen the film, he is the pianist in the band. Uh, He was in the original cast on Broadway of the Tony Award-winning musical Once, um, and he is so fucking talented, and he's the coolest guy, and I want to be him when I grow up, so without further ado, here is David Abelez. Yeah, this place is bananas. <laughs> what, the, the, the no, Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you always lived here, or? No, we lived, just, uh, we moved here a couple years ago when I was doing once, and I used to live, we lived on that block on 44th between 9th and 10th, right on 455, um, for, I think we were there like five years. That's awesome. And then, you know, we actually just jumped on this because I saw, I saw this and it was like, you know, a deal, a steal, really. And I don't know why, I think they just had people in here for a long time and then they were just looking to do it real quick and we just, I, I mean, I'm always looking around the neighborhood yeah. and stuff. And, we found it and it was like really okay <laughs> yeah when we saw it we were like nice. okay whatever we have to do do you own it or do you rent no, no, no. rent rent from a company that owns a lot of the units in this building but they're all they are all condo units nice so they're own you know, most of the people here are owners cool so which is nice because they take care of the building and it's that's know, great yeah you know. so David Abeles thank you so much for oh we're on yeah okay surprise hey um, <laughs> so David and I know each other from Begin Again, um, which half the people listening to this podcast know me from, and the other half just work with me, so that's cool too. Um, and if and you would admi- you probably know David from once the original Broadway cast, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but first, we'll start at the very beginning. Where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? Uh, it's actually a longer answer than it's probably. That's okay. okay. I, I was born in New York. I grew up in Northern California from the ages of four to 14. And then at 14, my family moved to South Florida. So I sort of never know how to answer that question. I think I, I basically, I, I say Northern California, but I split my childhood between that and Florida and then went to Atlanta for college, then London for drama school and then back to New York. And I've been here. 10 years. Right away, back to New York? Yeah, well, I mean, London was a kind of... I I lived in London all told four years. I did a year of undergrad there and then three years of drama school. And could have... I mean, had had, uh, some kind of designs on on staying there, but... um, but I and I got a, a a very good job out of school and I got an agent right away and everything was set up and then as I was two days away, I think, from starting the first rehearsal with this, like, uh, West End show, uh, they told me that they couldn't push my visa through, and and, uh, they had to recast, so I went from learning my lines to booking a ticket back to New York, thinking, you know, I need to, I need to go back where, where I have citizenship. (laughs) (laughs) That blows, though. No, that's okay, it all worked out. Clearly, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh. It did. At the time, I thought my world was collapsing around me. <laughs> and um, and uh, you had your agent was just in London. I had an agent in London, but that you know, yeah, just in London. So when I got to New York, I really 
had to start from scratch. I knew nobody. I knew one director who had worked with me at drama school, and that was my first audition. Didn't get it. Um, and that was it. And I just had to start from scratch. I mean, really, you know, just writing cold letters and trying to mm-hmm. come up with whatever connections, you know, family, friends, blah, blah, blah. But, but I didn't know any, I, I didn't know anything, you know, wow. which was kind of great because mm-hmm. I actually think that a lot of times people almost prepare too much. I think it's kind of good to to have a confidence but not know how you're going to get somewhere. It's refreshing to the people. You, you, you know. just you just quoted my MO right there. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> it's nice to have a confidence and not know what you're doing at the yeah, same exa- time. Exactly. Um, and, like, well, around what year was that? Like, was that before, like, everything was in an email? Uh, just about the same time. That was when I moved back to New York was 2004. Okay. So there was email. There, um, well, yeah. Ago. Well, yeah. yeah, there was email, and uh, but yeah, I was still doing hard copy resume submissions all the time. So you're just like pounding the pavement, like yeah. re-crashing EPAs and oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, EPAs, but I wasn't I wasn't equity yet at yeah. that point. So I was yeah. I mean, I remember like you know getting there early, early in the morning to to sign up, and then waiting all day, mm-hmm. sort of like demoralizing, like waiting <laughs> all the way while you watch other people who have their card, you know, going right? and. <laughs> do audition yeah kind of crazy what was the waiting room like then uh well it was not as nice <laughs> because they renovated everything yeah like moved. uh i'm just uh, right now all I'm, I'm fixated on a memory of waiting in at, in the irish rep because i mm-hmm. remember an audition there that i waited around all day to finally get seen i think i did get seen didn't get it mm-hmm was a running thing <laughs> but no uh, I, I, yeah it was all part uh, of the process yeah exactly because I remember the first EPA I crashed like it was during renovation so like non-ex were like on benches like right. across from the equity waiting room where oh, I was wow. like I want to be where the people <laughs> no, are crazy? Um, and then I went to one uh, a few months ago um, and like they it was still like this narrow room but at least they had couches and outlets and stuff oh. so yeah, it was, no, it's very it was more fancy bare now. Yeah. The equity building, very fancy now. Yeah. I've only been there a few times, but it's like... Ooh. And my roommate works like a couple stories above it. So like oh, wow. building, like, you have to take an elevator to get to another yeah. elevator. And the it's elevator crazy. is sort of like Star Trek. It's like you know, yeah. weird with the... Yeah. yeah. Um, Can't really figure it out. So you're also, you're part of, you're one of how many kids? I am one of three siblings who and are all in the business. Nice. Because um, your sister's in Phantom, right? My sister is in Phantom. She is in the ensemble and covers Carlotta. Mm-hmm. And gets to go on quite a bit, which is awesome. great. Um, and my brother is a an actor. Um, he founded his own theater company that's doing very well now called Lesser America. And uh, he also does... He was on smash and on episodics and TV, lots of TV and film things. But also he just finished a play at the Rattlestick. Oh, called, cool. um, the undeniable sound of right now. Did you all like come here around the same time, or like did you have to end up meeting them when, once you got here, or like? Um, well, my brother went to NYU, so mm. he was here. He was here first, I think. But you know, we always came back and forth to New York growing up because my parents met here. They were New Yorkers from a while ago, even though they weren't born here. But you know, so New York, and we always had friends and family here. Uh, so it's it never felt like a kind of very foreign place. It was it was always pretty, you know, um, familiar to us. But my brother did go to NYU, so he was here first. Then I came 
while he was just finishing NYU, and then my sister came up after that, and she was uh, studying classical uh, singing at Miami. Because you did start from scratch, and you were just pounding the pavement. Like what? Like what was your first job here? Like as an actor? Um, we'll get into survival jobs soon. After no, that's this. okay. <laughs> uh, no, a first actor job. Um, the first thing I was cast in was. Um, the non-equity tour of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> I was understudying Adam which is I think the lead I don't really know <laughs> very well um, and I was playing like some character anyway but the, the tour wasn't to happen for like another six months I think after I booked it but they did need to do a B-roll sort of like commercial. So I went, I think the first thing I actually received a paycheck for was that. And then we went to, I don't know, Pennsylvania somewhere or somewhere in the middle of nowhere to go and record in a theater, but a kind of like B-roll tape. And I remember um, the director choreographer saying, okay, um, guys, I need you all to line up. And then one by one, just, I, I'm going to need your best round off. And I thought, <laughs> I have no idea what a round off oh. is. I know I can't do one, and when I saw somebody, you know, sort of do one, I thought, okay, and then I took a step back and I said, I, I can't do that. My name is David Edwards, and I, <laughs> I do, do gymnastics. Not, no. So, uh, so I didn't, but uh, I shot that commercial and then very quickly realized I did not want to do that tour um, <laughs> and managed to get out of it. But then, you know, things, things happened pretty quickly, and, uh, and I was fortunate that, you know, all of a sudden, after that winter, I had like, so I was doing three shows at the same time. I was like rehearsing wow. two of them and performing one of them, one something at the John Houseman Theater, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, a Václav Havel play called <laughs> Unveiling, which was interesting. And then I did a show with Prospect Theater Company called The Pursuit of Persephone, which I really think is like, you know, something that allowed a lot of people to see more of my work. And then um, it received some nominations and it did very well for an off-off-Broadway show and was a fantastic show. Um, and then got into the non-equity company at Williamstown and that's nice. sort of, you know, what, that sort of helped too. Didn't you get your uh, card from Prospect? No, I got my card. I, even at this time I didn't have my card. I got my card from TheaterWorks, uh, okay. um, which is how so many Young wonderful actors young actors do get their cards yeah. and I love theater works I did a few things for them um, but it was I got my card doing a show at the Lortel called Henry and Mudge oh cool yeah. um, I remember because you were talking I remember last time we met up which was almost a year ago yeah you were telling me about Prospect and then yeah. you hooked me up with uh, an audition for them and then literally two weeks for that later, same show for yeah. the, it was later called The Underclassmen. But oh, yeah, it, was, really? it was actually originally called The Pursuit of Persephone. So oh, that was the same show. They know. just revived it. Yeah. yeah. And then two weeks later, I was in rehearsal for a show, and one of the actresses leans over to me and goes, Have you ever been in for Prospect Theater Company? Mm -hmm. I was like, Yeah, like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Thanks. <laughs> so, how did, like, so you, and I'm like looking at his guitars right now and his banjos and stuff yeah. on the wall. Um, My one banjo. You're, yeah. Um, and so the mu you did music sort of independently of being an actor, Music right? all, always. I mean, from the age of four, I played the piano. I started playing the piano at four. I picked up the guitar at, in like seventh grade. Didn't take lessons, but learned from playing the piano and, you know, thanks to grunge rock and, you know, <laughs> and like... Uh, Metallica and Guns N' Roses, I, I, I got very into the guitar and then it became, you know, Dave Matthews and whatever. Um, 
So yeah, so basically piano and guitar are my instruments, nice. and uh, and then all of these other things I've sort of picked up along the way. The banjo I got after doing the Unsinkable Molly Brown. I had to play the banjo a little mm. bit, so I had like got I had been you know fiddling around on a, on a banjo for a few months. So I decided oh I should get one. So I got a, a nice one, but it's very affordable. And, uh, and then I have my accordion over there. Oh yeah. And that's from. Uh, the Natasha. Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet. Nice. And, and uh, I remember you were telling me like a lot of the instruments you just picked up like in the workshops of doing once, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, once was sort of like a like a kind of um, just a, a it was like a room of creativity about the instruments. Everybody just like got off the got off the bus with like every instrument they could <laughs> hold and that they sort of even played or didn't. And so when we were all kind of, when we all convened in Cambridge for the workshop, um, Martin Lowe, our music uh, director and, and orchestrator, sort of got us together and said, okay, what can we do here? Here are the chord charts. Let's just like basically woodshed this whole thing. And so we did. And we, we very quickly sort of like gravitated towards one instrument or another. Or if, they, if, they, if it needed something else, somebody would jump on a cajon or, you know, pick up a ukulele or there was a banjo you know the drum kit all that stuff and like we we kind of all had to experiment in that way nice. you know and did you have the luxury and you had the luxury of um like having knowing the songs ahead of time because it wasn't like a brand new song. yeah it was from it was already like oh yeah existing yeah. songs yeah yeah you could definitely listen to the songs and, and prepare for that way i hadn't i had never seen the movie until the bus ride on the way there <laughs> was it like the whole cast of you just like um, on one bus and like no several of us but we didn't know each other I mean I knew I knew somebody a little bit I can't remember I think it was Will no I knew Kristen I knew Kristen because oh, cool. we had done a reading we had a couple readings of something together so she was like the only one that I knew out of the group so when we all got off the bus and like everybody else kind of goes away and you see another three or four people with like two guitars and a mm -hmm. <laughs> backpack and a suitcase then you know you're, oh, you're uh, awesome. that's your own your yeah classmates She's awesome. Chris, I love her. Yeah, she's great. And then I found out that, I remember seeing once and then finding out she was the mother and how I met your mother and like flipped a shit yeah. in my apartment in college. Oh yeah, and she's doing, she's doing great. Yeah. We just did a gig in New Jersey actually, um, at a college, at the College of New Jersey. Mm. And we, I play in like her band. We oh have, cool. Like, we have a, a band, yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. And we're hoping to do another gig in July, I think. Sweet. But that's not... Solidified. Yeah, yeah. We can edit that out. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and so the once workshop, did that just come up like every other audition, or the once workshop? Um, so a couple years before. Um, sorry to be long-winded, but hey, it's a podcast. Please, I mean, we there are no time limits. <laughs> um, a few years before the auditions and all this stuff happened, I remember seeing on Playbill.com that the movie had been optioned for a musical. Oh wow! And at that time, I immediately, you know, sent an email to my agents and said, we got to keep this on the radar. Whenever this auditions, I have to be seen for this. Like, you know, so, so from very, very early on, I had it on my radar. So I was always like looking out for it. And it was a good like two years, I think, before they even put out a breakdown or like that there was even a, an audition. But when there was, you know, my agent, you know, immediately sort of sent me an email saying, just want you to know that this is happening and I, you know, I'm on it and whatever. So, um, 
then I had to, I think, I've never, I don't think I've ever told anybody about this, but, uh, but my agent said, well, they're not really, they don't want to bring you in. Apparently the casting director is quote, like not, not a, it wasn't not a fan, not a fan of your work or something like that. And I was like, but he hasn't seen me do anything. <laughs> he said, well, yeah, but whatever. And I thought, well, that's just what they say to anybody. So he said, well, maybe you should write him a card. So I literally sat there and wrote Stephen Coppell a card um, saying, please, <laughs> can I come in? Um, you know, the things you do, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I said, you know, how, how much I loved the, the music, which was true, even though I hadn't seen the film, and how much I loved Glenn and how I would be so, you know, grateful to come in and, and audition for you. So it worked, apparently, and then I went really? in and I got um, an audition and didn't originally, I think, I think they did like a reading of it that I wasn't a part of, but it was only like three, or, it was only four or five people or something like that, and then when they came back again, then they asked me to do um, Cambridge, and I was already doing Million Dollar Quartet on Broadway, so I had to fight to get a leave of absence, which was a whole another, wow. another story. Well. Artist, yeah, <laughs> successful artist problems. <laughs> I, well, yeah, but I mean, it, at the time, it felt like, what am I doing? You know, why would I go and take a risk on a five-week show for no money in Boston? Oh, um, there was it was not oh, paid. Oh no, it was paid, but it was like it wasn't Broadway <laughs> yet. <laughs> right, right. It was it was like you know very meagerly paid, you know, but and it worked out. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. yeah. And then that led to Off-Broadway, or mm -hmm. was, did it go right to Broadway? No, it went Off-Broadway. I went to New York Theatre Workshop. Nice. And then you had had a show at that point, or were you still like... Yeah. No, the show, was, we, we did a week-long run in Cambridge. Oh. So, and the show didn't change that much from then. Really? Like, it was almost, you know, we did so much really great kind of exploratory work in Cambridge that when we finished and we presented... I mean, there were a few edits made for the off-Broadway show, but it was basically the show was there. So, yeah. And how much was Glenn a part of that? In Cambridge, not really. He came to one. He came to a performance, mm -hmm. and uh, and then afterwards, like there was this amazing time after the show where he just stuck around. Our producers got a bucket of a barrel of, or a bucket of beers. <laughs> And we just sat in the, in the Oberon Theater, which was actually just a bar, and we all played music like until for for like three hours, three That's or four awesome. hours. He just like stuck around. And we all played music together, and we it was unforgettable. It was so great. And then when we were off Broadway, he was much more present. He was there, mm -hmm. you know. He, I was actually just listening the other day to a a recording I made, like a voice memo of like he brought in. Um, Damien Rice to come and like, you know, just talk to us about music, and they played kind of they demonstrated you know songs. It was it was pretty incredible. When I look back on it, I'm like, wow, that, that really happened. <laughs> There's a really great Spotify playlist of uh, not Spotify, I think it's a SoundCloud playlist that a friend of mine sent it of um, the entire cast like doing the songs, but like sort of in their own arrangements. I oh forget. really? Yeah, I have to ask her to send that to me again so I can yeah. forward that to you. But yeah, I remember like really Kristen was doing Leave and. Oh, that's um, an arrangement I did. Oh, cool. Yeah, I wrote that arrangement. Oh, I did, yeah, that's from a, um, that's from a, uh, a, a show. We did that at the Great American Songbook at Lincoln Center, and then we also did yeah. it, I think, at, at Joe's Pub. 
but yeah. to Joe's Pub uh, show, I yeah. think. I think it was just like that whole Yeah, I love show. that. It's just like, it's just a, 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 her and me, a piano and, and her singing it. It's like incredible. It's awesome. Yeah. And then Begin Again came about because John, because John knew you from once, right? So yeah, so so Once was happening and um, it then it, it went to Broadway, it did very well and uh, we met John at like one of the parties for like opening of previews on Broadway or something, or maybe it was off. I don't know. I'd met John like several times before, um, like Tony night and, mm-hmm. and been friendly and told him how much I, you know, appreciated him and he was great and, you know, really nice. And, um, and then on Tony night, um, we sort of like had this magical evening where we were, we won eight of the 11 that we were nominated yeah. for. And it was like, you know, we kind of, it was fun to be like at that party and kind of the you know the toast of town and all, all that was amazing and I remember sort of like drunkenly like you know hugging John and talking to John for uh, 15 20 minutes and he was talking about his film which he'd already told me about like previously but now it was much farther along and actually happening and he said something to the effect of like uh, yeah there's this um there's this there's this musician part and I, I think you know it'd be great for you you know we'll, we'll do you up and, and, and you'll be in it so there's your job offer for you and I was like <laughs> drunkenly like turned to my wife and he's talking to somebody else and I thought I, I don't know if that really just happened or like whatever <laughs> but so I figured maybe not maybe it's just mm-hmm. like something that happens at a party and so like you know the next week I told my agent to check in and then they did and then all of a sudden there was an audition or to go and put myself on tape and I did and then all of a sudden it was like they need you next week for for all this time and I was then I had to you know work yeah, it out I because I was you doing were juggling once. once yeah I would have loved to have done I think that originally they wanted like two weeks and um, once wouldn't let me out and you know I had to like you know go back and forth anyway long story short we made it work and, yeah and it was it was great and and James Corden had just won the Tony too that season. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the two of you were like running back and forth, like, mm-hmm. like how am I going to get on my job? Yeah, yeah. We had that. That was that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Backtracking to before all that, because this is I just love mm-hmm. talking about this. What kind of survival jobs did you have in the meantime? Uh, I went to bartending school. <laughs> So I was, and then I was a miserable bartender. I was so bad at it, but um, yeah, I was awful. I remember like doing a private party and like spilling like wine everywhere. It was, uh, I was just bad because I would get really stressed out. But I, I waited tables. Um, I did that. I what else did I do? I I used to. Co- I mean, I did a lot of coaching and stuff and like playing because you know when you can play the piano and you have some training and blah blah blah. You know that becomes a easy way to make make some money so I had some students I did that I taught for a while I, I did a um, I taught Broadway uh, songs all of which I didn't know like that's my big secret is that yeah. I actually don't know a lot about Broadway songs but um, you but, heard it here folks yeah, <laughs> I actually have no Broadway like, veteran people, David yeah, no idea um, so I, I taught but I, I did like teach Broadway songs to like seven and eight year old girls at the JCC <laughs> um like I to the point that I didn't know. Like they brought in for good from Wicked, and they're like, "Can we do this?" And I was like, "Great, yeah." And I like I didn't know what this. Song. this? I had no idea. Um, so I would just you know bring in seventy six trombones. <laughs> you know, um, make it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. So I did that, and uh, but then you know, 
after a couple years, I was lucky that, you know, it, uh, it sort of picked up to the point that I went from thing to thing. And, yeah. and your wife is also an actress, dancer. Yeah. Type. My wife is, uh, she's an actress and she went to Tish and um, she does uh, improv comedy and uh, she really? is a dancer, but she mainly, you know, over the past 10 years, she's been a Radio City Rockette. Oh, wow. Um, do you know anything about, like, that process or... About being a Rockette? Yeah. I know a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot about it. Um, it's grueling. I always say the Rockettes are basically, like, um, one, they're one part professional athlete, one part artistic dancer, and one part uh, military. Yeah. And that's, like, sort of how they break down, you know, the, the, the rehearsal process and the sort of, um, uh, kind of ethos of the company is very precision-based, so it's, so it has to be sort of militaristic, you know, mm -hmm. in the way that they're sort of drilled, um, to, 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 to end up looking like, you know, 36 women dancing as one. Yeah. Is, uh, is, yeah. But then they're also amazing, amazing artists and dancers, and they're also, you know, they have to ice, they take ice baths and they're, you know, they have to nurse injuries yeah. the same as professional athletes. So I think, you know, I remember I had a friend who, uh, she did the Rockette camp growing up uh -huh. and like, she's like one stop away from that if she'll just get out of Montana. But like right. she was telling, like she'd come back like from the summer and tell us all about like the training that she had to do at like age yeah. 15 for it. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, um, um, but where did she do improv? I didn't know she was into improv. Yeah, she did um, a lot at the Magnet and mm -hmm. um, some at UCV. Oh, nice. But she she just uh, recently did a, a lady sketch, I think, at the Magnet, which oh, okay. was good. And, uh, nice. And they presented, and one of her sketches was in it. Oh, cool. She's good. Yeah, she's um, she's always done that. She's just she's she's funny and. And cute. <laughs> Check. Cute. Pretty beautiful. My wife. <laughs> do you do improv at all, or have you? No. I mean, I did. I I did some. I took you know a thing at UCB, and we did it at drama school. But I'm. I would love to get better at it, but I'm not actually that great at it. Yeah. It's no. I, I mean, I I like doing it. I just you know I haven't I haven't gotten into that. I just did one on one, and then I couldn't even do the do the performance because. It was when I was doing Million Dollar Quartet, and I mm -hmm. had a show, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Was there a moment for you that, like, you sort of, like, stopped and sort of defined yourself, like, hey, I am now a New Yorker? <laughs> uh, well, I never considered myself not a New Yorker, because I was born here. So I know that you have to, what's the rule? You have to, like, live here for a certain amount. I don't know. When I got here, I sort of, like, I guess I didn't really, you know consider myself a New Yorker until probably, you know, five years in, but mm. I don't know. I, I think it's it's all arbitrary, you know. I mean, at that time when I moved here, I really did feel like I lived in London, which was, you know, now feels like a million years ago. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you know, my parents had met here. I was born, my sister and I were born You're here. You're always here. Yeah, like, you know. It's funny because your answer is an exact combination of my answer and Abby, my co-host's answer. Oh, really? From when we were talking about that in an earlier episode because I grew up right around here. Right. And so I always felt like I was, I always felt like part of me was here and Abby's going, coming on her five-year anniversary here. Oh, okay. So she, yeah. so that was her answer. Okay. Um. But yeah. But I do catch some flack. I mean, my, my wife is born and raised here. She's born and raised in Queens. <laughs> well, she actually, we were born at the same hospital, oh, at Lenox nice. Hill, but she raised in Queens. <laughs> 
So, uh, so she gets to be the real New Yorker, and I'm, you know, sort of a, <laughs> a the, pretender. Yeah, and I love asking this to all my theatrical friends. Is there, like, a dream role you have, or, like, a dream job, or dream uh, work scenario? A dream work scenario? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've always kind of... I haven't really gone down the road of doing well-known roles in lots of revivals. I did do, um, I understudied uh, Henry Higgins mm-hmm. in My Fair Lady, and I was far too young, and like, you know, not right for it, but I have, you know, I eventually would like to do that part, because I love it. And I was thinking the other day I'd really like to do Sweeney Todd at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, a lot of the stuff I've done has been more new work, and so I love that, and I, I sort of, I think my dream work scenario would be um, being some kind of either like a company member of a, of a company that does really, really great, exciting new work and being able to originate, you know, um, roles and, and also do things that are, that are new and unique and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, that's always when I feel sort of at my, at, at my most fulfilled, I guess. Yeah. How old were you when you, uh, understudied Henry Higgins? Um... <laughs> It was on the national tour, and I was, it was, I was like 28, maybe, 27. Yeah, that's pretty young for that. I think, wait, yeah, I wasn't quite 30, I think I was like 28. I was just in producer's tour callbacks for Leo, and I was like, yeah, I'm still a little young for that. Yeah, but that, I've done, I, that's a I've good role, role for you. Before, yeah, yeah. I've done, I did that in uh, college. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, but like that's like the sauce I take is like if I don't like if I don't play this role again till I'm like forty, at least I played it when I was twenty one. Right, right. Now speaking of like new works, because like you like you did once, which was like I want to say revolutionary, but that might be a strong term. I fucking loved it. once. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say is I fucking loved once. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, then you did uh, Natasha Pierre. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Like, was that just, like because uh, you blue. were a replacement, right? In, in Natasha Pierre, yeah. yes. I replaced Dave Malloy, who wrote it and sort of uh, starred as, as Pierre. But that came out of the blue. I was doing, actually, um, I was doing, I was in once, and I'd been on Broadway, I think, at that point for about a year and a half. And um, I did a gig with Kristen at Joe's Pub that my agent came to, and afterwards came up and said, you know, they're, they're looking for, he'd seen me play the piano at the gig. They're looking for um, somebody for this show, and he said, "Feel like I think he said something like, hey, do you want to take an enormous pay cut?'" And I, <laughs> yeah, immediately, yeah, of course. No, um, so, I will too. Yeah, so basically, then they sent me over the material. I looked it over. I said, "Sure," and then I went in. I just had one uh, audition for them, and sort of in the back of my head, going the whole time, like, "Well, there's no way that I'm going to do this because it be it it, it would just be absurd." Like, you know, but, you know, at the same time, like I was saying, the material was new, interesting, really different, really cool, smart, and, uh, and really kind of artistically interesting, the, the, the music and the, and the way the whole thing was structured. So I was intrigued. I went in, had a good audition. They offered it to me. And then, uh, then I thought, well, I have to see it. So I, I made, I somehow arranged to like, go and see it at the tent down in the meatpacking district and walked in thinking, okay, there's no way, and walked out thinking, we've really got a problem because I really want to do this. And um, 
had a long walk with my wife and on the High Line, and we like talked it over, and then, uh, and then, you know, tried to get, uh, tried, tried to do it as a leave of absence somehow or whatever from once, but they wouldn't budge on that. So then I had to basically just come to terms with the decision, and I and I decided to leave and go and do Pierre, wow. which was great. And then I did that for for like eight months. Nice. And did you learn accordion for that? Or? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I never played it before. I'd never picked one up before. But, you know, half of it is familiar for the keyboard, and the other half is completely unfamiliar. Really? You know, plus the compressing. And singing at the same yeah, time. Yeah. It's, that's but cool. it was fun. It was a good challenge, and I, you know. How much time did you have to learn it, then? We had a three-week rehearsal process. Oh, shit. So that was it. Yeah. And even then, you know, it was mainly they were just catching rehearsal time when they could because I mean, mm-hmm. the show was already up and running. Mm-hmm. So I was, and I couldn't even really watch the show because I was in my own show. So I was, yeah. yeah, double duty for a while. And then I actually worked it out. I think that I had had a vacation uh, approved way, way before mm-hmm. for that week. So I actually used that vacation, those vacation days to go and watch the show. Um, and that was great, actually. I don't know what I would have done without that because I was able to, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. It was sort of like a put-in. Cool. I remember I had to learn... Well, I didn't have to. Um, for this show I'm about to do, I met the director through Improv 101, uh-huh. and he was like, do you play guitar? And I was like, I mean, I kind of want to learn. I own one, <laughs> and but I play fiddle. And he was like, cool. I already mm-hmm. have like a couple fiddlists, but, so mm-hmm. why don't you learn some chords? Uh Come in, see me anyway, and like bring Great. some fiddle, whatever. So I just learned four chords to a song that I just know. Great. Um, and then he was like, "You're exactly what I'm looking for. You're willing to learn like in the next six weeks." And I was like, and I, the whole time I was like preparing for it, and like in the audition, the whole time I'm just thinking like, "This is never gonna happen. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like I'm so out of yeah. my element." And then he was like, "That's great." And he was like, "Are you willing to learn in like six weeks?" And I was like, "Yeah, definitely." <laughs> So we'll see what yeah, happens. That's I great. That's, in... that's how it happens, you know. And I thought of you the whole time because I was like, because <laughs> I was like, okay, David has to learn instruments for once. David has yeah. to learn instruments. Like, I can do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you have a a, a really good foundation with with violin, yeah. and so you know, you can kind of use that in mm-hmm. other ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it all it's all connected. And it's becoming more and more of a of a uh, of a useful, you know. Uh, tool as an actor, you know? Yeah, totally. There's so many actor musician shows now. Yeah. So. Um, now, because you are a musician, what are you listening to lately? Well, I listen to a lot of vinyl now because um, my wife got me this this uh, record player for my birthday last year. Hipster. So now, I know. It's so, it's so hipster. But I actually... I actually like really enjoy going and finding like two dollar uh, albums at flea markets now. That's so, awesome. So yeah, so right now I'm looking at Benny Goodman's greatest hits because that's what I was listening to. Oh uh, yeah, right and, there. And um, I listen like on this I, for some reason I like to listen to a lot of jazz, and so I have like an Errol Gardner uh, album there, and a, um, what else do I have? I have a Miles uh, record that I was listening to. And then I listen to like a lot of like Bob Dylan because it sounds good on the scratch. Listen <laughs> to that, and uh, but I I love like kind of my old records, so that's what I'm I'm basically been listening to recently. Nice. Yeah. Now, was the music thing? Did the music thing lead to like acting and stuff? Not really. I mean, it did. I mean, I I I, I did kind of like bits and pieces of acting as a kid, mm-hmm. but gave it up, you know. 
before like middle school or something. I can't remember. I think like sixth or seventh grade, and then didn't do another play until I was in college, mm -hmm. and that was just because I was a musician, and some of my musician friends were doing uh, a production of Company, and they, you know, one of my friends was like, "I'm going to go and audition for this. Why don't you come?" So I did, and we both got it, and then we like did Company, and that was fun, and then. And anyway, who'd you play, or were you just in? I played David. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a big leap. <laughs> um, and so then you were just like, and then did you then know that you wanted to like continue doing that? Because I know I you weren't, I um, you weren't a theater major in undergrad, right? No, no, I was an English lit and music major. Um, I knew that I wanted to keep doing it, but I didn't know that I wanted to, you know, do it forever. Um, until I went to, I went to London. I did a Tennessee Williams. Uh, piece there that, uh, called Period of Adjustment, which is not very good, but um, <laughs> it was a lead role and it was kind of a fun challenge. And then when I came back my senior year, I did um, Tom Stoppard's Travesties, and that was what made me think, oh, I really, I, I think I might have the bug, I need to go and do this. So then I researched drama schools and ended up back in London. At RADA? At Lambda. Lambda. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. And your brother and sister were already into artistic stuff? Yeah, my brother and sister sort of... Uh, my sister was a theater major at USC and then decided to drop that and transfer, so she went to Miami for classical voice. Mm -hmm. And my brother was a theater major at, at Tisch, but that was uh, that was a bit later because he, he, there's a six-year difference between us. So, yeah. Now... I'm staring at your shirt a lot because we talk about New York-y stuff a lot on this podcast, and your shirt right now is like basically the skyline and a pigeon and a rat hugging each yeah. other. Where can we pick one of those? <laughs> this is, I think, this is Brooklyn Industries. I think. I don't know. My wife got it for me. It's. Is it Brooklyn Industries? Yeah. That's like so. the most New York shirt I've ever seen. I love it. But we have a thing where it's like sort of we we love pigeons. I know it's like a not always the most popular thing, but we are basically, you know, pigeon aficionados. You want some pigeons? Because I have some <laughs> chilling out on my air No, I like right to now. watch them in their in their wild habitat. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to have them as pets. I have I have them laying eggs on my radiator right now. Oh, cool. Well, then you get to see them hatch. We used to, in our last apartment, we, like, saw the, the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, That's what I'm watching now. Oh, good. But, like, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, so, you know, people say they never see you know, pigeons born or, or die, and we did. We saw both. We saw, you know, we saw pigeons die and decompose. We saw oh. new pigeons be born, and, you know, with all these... We, yeah, we had a front row seat to, like, you know, Pigeon Alley. Yeah. Um, My roommate was just uh, telling me about the 30 Rock quote, where uh, I was like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, where are all the baby pigeons? <laughs> and so she and I are looking out at the window, like, at this pigeon who's just, like, making prolonged eye contact with us. Mm -hmm. We're like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're breaking our fucking air conditioner. <laughs> but now we know where the baby pigeons are. Oh, God, it's going to get bad for them when you have to use that air We're, conditioner We've tried using it, and it just doesn't blow air out. And oh, no. on one of the episodes that's about to come out, there's like a, I have like a call to action. Like, whoever can help me fix my air conditioner, let me know. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, cool. So thank you so much for yeah. sitting down and inviting me to your... Swanky ass place. <laughs> Thanks. Place is ridiculous. In, in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Right. Everyone here is just so like, like someone walked out of your building. It was just like, yeah, swagging along. Like, yeah, we so like it. Here. I mean, you know, it's it's right in the middle of everything. It's very convenient. We can walk everywhere, so that's nice. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, 
it's not forever. Nah. I want to have a, a backyard and a dog and a you know a garden <laughs> eventually. <laughs> uh, we grew up with golden retrievers. Yes. So I would love to have another golden retriever. Yes. Yeah. You know, but I just don't want to do it in this small apartment. No. You know, and and also to I don't know. It's a lot to have a dog in the city. Yeah. You know. Especially a big dog like that. Where yeah, and I'd be afraid also we have a little terrace and I'd be afraid of oh, them, yeah. you know, somehow getting off. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we sign off? Anything I'd like to plug? Yes! Um, I have just written a book with a good friend of mine who was in the show Million Dollar Quartet with me um, on Broadway and off-Broadway. Um, and it is a novelty, humorous children's uh, picture book for grown-ups, too, um, about a haplessly hungry pigeon, a, I see pigeons again, yeah. a, uh, a concerned dropping, and a well-intentioned narrator. It is called Don't Eat the Poop. I think that's a name you can remember. Don't Eat yeah. the Poop. And um, if you go to don'teatthepoop.com, you got a domain. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can sign up for our mailing list. We're hoping to, right now we're in the process of, um, Finding some uh, a, a, a rep- some uh, an agent essentially, mm-hmm. which is funnily enough like very similar to the acting agent really? process. <laughs> we're like, you know, trying to take meetings, calling connections, all mm-hmm. that other stuff. But once we find an agent, we're gonna put it in in stores, and hopefully you'll be able to buy it. At the very least, you'll be able to buy it from us. So, um, check it out. Go go to don'teatthepoop.com and and get your poop on. <laughs> <laughs> and. There's one more thing I should reference. Um, I'm in a band with a couple um, ex-1Cs, all original cast members of Once, um, and we recently just came out with an EP, which you can find on iTunes, you can find it on Spotify, and all the other places. We have a SoundCloud, but um, go to iTunes, support live music, and uh, yeah. and check it out there. It's called Fair Play is the name of our group, and it's also the name of the EP. And uh, and there are three songs um, with myself and Elizabeth A. Davis and Will Connolly. Um, so check that out. I'm really happy and proud of that. And uh, yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. Yeah. Thank you. All right, well, thanks to everyone who is still listening this afternoon. That's about it for the show. But if you want to listen to more of our shows, make sure you find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash unslickcitypodcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at unslickcity. And feel free to send us some tips because we do the show for free. Go to paypal.com, enter unslickcitypodcast at gmail.com in the search field and send us a little love. Um, so that's our spiel for the day. So live long, live prosperously, live random. Carpe, Carpe random. random.